0: everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. Today, back on the road, I'm in Stewart, Florida, and I'm at the offices of Portia Scott. Portia is a, an excellent elder law attorney practicing throughout the Treasure Coast, but as we all know, Uh, If you're an attorney in Florida, you can represent anyone anywhere in the state of Florida. So I'd like to welcome Portia to the program today. Portia, welcome.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Good morning.
0: One of the first things I always do with any guest, and you're a special guest, is tell me a bit about yourself. And I, I know that you have some designations that go with elder law that are very special.
1: Right, right. So the name of the uh, practice is the Elder Law Offices of Portia B. Scott Chartered, which is a real mouthful just for me but because I'm the only attorney that's involved in it. But the uh, emphasis, of course, is on the elder law. Now, I've been practicing, oh, my gosh, 27, 28 years, a long time. And I've always done this kind of law, working with the elderly, but it wasn't until about Let's see. It says 2022, uh, so probably about 10 years ago, uh, I decided to start uh, focusing my practice on the special needs of the elderly. Can't tell you what a great decision that was. Uh, love working uh, in the elder law area. Could not be better. So I went back uh, to Stetson Law School and um, when my hair had already started to turn gray as well, and got my advanced law degree. It's called an LLM. So your regular law degree is a doctorate. This is more than that. Uh, in elder law. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you uh, how much I learned. Uh, the, the hands-on approach that Stetson takes in teaching this particular advanced degree
0: was really, really helpful. And I understand there's not that many elder law attorneys with that advanced degree in the state of Florida.
1: Uh, I don't know what the number is, but yes, it is not very many. There, there are plenty of attorneys who have gone back to get their LLM in a variety of subjects, but a lot of them end up being in um, taxation, which is
0: not what I do. And I think uh, I did a little research on it, and I believe the number is fewer than 200. So ah. a hearty congratulations to well, you as you so well. Much. Now, when we talk about the name Scott and Law yeah. with the title, that's a designation that goes back quite a ways for those who have, uh, all of us know uh, on the Treasure Coast, and that uh, is due to your father.
1: Yeah, my dad was named William R. Scott, went by either W.R. in his political outings or bill if you actually knew him uh, he came to Stewart in 1949 and joined with Ted Otterson another really old Stuart name uh, and started practicing there represented the county um, as the at the state legislative leg, le- level for a few years and eventually this the firm was named audister scott and auderson because ted auderson's son graduated from university of florida college of law and started practicing it as well so eventually dad started out on went out on his own in 1963 uh built that building there that's at the corner of mlk 7th street and colorado um and set up shop there and practiced goodness um 50, 60 years, a long time. Here's something fun. Um, i The only thing uh, that a, an attorney knows better than their bar number is the date that they became an attorney. And nobody else cares about that date whatsoever. Nobody cares. Uh, but mine is September 23rd. It's my anniversary, right? So I was going and had seen that my dad had uh, been... Uh, still had an active bar page I went and I looked and his date mine was 1994 his was uh 1949, so the same digits just switched. And his was also September 23rd. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that
0: Coincidence. I know. Coincidence. And those who know your dad, I, and I say no because the memories are still there. Yeah, uh, He has passed. But one of the great things that I always uh, cherish was when he was at a city commission meeting, and he was um, city attorney, among many, many other titles that he wore. And uh, it was always uh, a, a big deal to Let's see what socks Bill is wearing today.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, he was not a a very tall man, and he wanted people to refer to him as the guy with the funny-looking socks rather than that short guy over there.
0: And indeed we did. Yeah. You know, that dates me back to the days of being a reporter uh, covering news throughout Florida, throughout the Treasure Coast. Your dad also was responsible for uh, a delineation into Lake Okeechobee that has everybody very happy. Well, except for Palm Beach County commissioners. (laughs) But yes, that's
1: technically called the Scott, as in Mm -hmm. my father's and my own last name. Uh, vertex, and it is the point in the middle of the lake, more or less, where the county lines, if they were continued from the land, meet to a point, and that's the division of Lake Okeechobee. Prior to that, the entire lake was considered part of Palm Beach County, and your area of square miles in your county determined how much of the of the gas tax you would receive for road repair. So rather than just saying, you no, know, it's a lake, nobody needs it, my father, uh, while he was in the legislature, introduced the concept that no, we should just divide it among the lakes that are there. So it was done, it passed, and at one uh, Palm Beach County Commission meeting, they presented him with a jug of Okeechobee water, saying, you might as well take this, you've gotten all the rest of it from us anyway. It, By the way, that jug is at the Heritage Museum in Stewart. Awesome. I know.
0: That's awesome. And you know, history is important, and historically uh, I have to say that Portia and I go back a ways as well. Uh, We've had a few celebrations on King Kamehameha Day.
1: Yes, Do you still celebrate? Oh, you know it. The office is closed. I have to notify people that, you know, don't even think about it. And of course the the staff gets the day off with pay, because it is a celebratory thing, yeah.
0: And uh, you also are a Star Trek fan. (laughs) And, And I mention that because the day that we are recording this on, it doesn't necessarily play back the same day, folks. The day we're recording this on is Leonard Nimoy Day.
1: Yes, it is. It's, a, it's an official recognized uh, holiday in Boston, which is his environs it's where he from once he came.
0: And uh, for those of you who are listening right now, uh, thank goodness for Google being uh, unable to deliver on time, or I would be sitting here with Spock ears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a set in my desk, if you really want.
0: So, you know, I I, uh, I say that because Porsche is near and dear to me. With the elder law that you practice, uh, you come in contact with lots and lots of people. And without elder law a lot of them would be just absolutely in some dire straits. So let's talk about some of the things that uh, elder law brings to the table, especially with May being uh, Older Americans Month, Senior Citizens Month, and Elder Law Month. So uh, we want to talk about those things. Um, One of the first that comes to mind, advanced directives. Tell us about why that is important.
1: The primary purpose of advanced directives is that you don't want to be in a position, no one wants to be in a position where they're making an important decision as an act of desperation. The idea is to contemplate these really uncomfortable situations prior to the time when it becomes an emergency, when you are of clear mind and you're not operating under the duress of life and or death. So advanced directives can take a, a host of different forms. One, something as easy as a power of attorney where mm-hmm. you appoint someone else to make um, financial decisions for you and empower them to actually act on those decisions. Or they can be much, much more complicated like the designation of a pre-need guardian typically nobody wants to have a guardian appointed for them. Think about Britney Spears. That conservatorship was actually what, in Florida, we would call a guardianship. But nobody wants to be subject to a guardianship. And therefore, if there is a judicial determination, that is, a judge has had a hearing and has found that someone is incapable of making informed decisions for themselves, then, well, and that's important, it's that it's not just Bad decisions. Everybody's allowed to make a bad decision, as many people can attest throughout their entire life. They've done that. Exactly, I'm (laughs)
0: one of them. Uh,
1: You can make bad decisions. It's completely different from not being able to make an informed decision. If you do uh, lack the ability to make an informed decision, and the court finds it by a very heavy burden, by the way. You can't just come in and say, you know, Uncle Charlie's nuts. You actually have to say exactly what Uncle Charlie has been doing and why you believe it. And there's a, a committee that's appointed that, are, that honestly don't have a dog in the fight. They go out and make a determination and report to the court. There's an attorney who's represented for, in this case, Uncle Charlie, to make sure that his rights are not just rolled over. Mm-hmm. All of those things that people fear so much about the state and what the state can do, there are safeguards put in place specifically for that. They're not 100% perfect, of course, but they are, as of now, the best we can do. So let's, let's put our thinking hats on and come up with some better ideas.
0: I started with advanced directives because in my exposure to uh, what has been going on within the senior communities here in Florida and throughout the United States, that's probably the best place to start is getting that in place. Is that a a fair statement?
1: It's all part of an overall plan, Mm -hmm. and there are some points of the plan where you can come in at the beginning which is where you do your advanced directives and if you miss that opportunity and you have to come in late then we they aren't advanced directives anymore and that's where under the circumstance of the guardianship for instance that's where they didn't do a designation they didn't the person who is the subject of the guardianship didn't do the designation didn't do any of those things and is moving forward blindly and that's where the emergency and the more expense comes in
0: And those are things that have to be done correctly. There is a process and a procedure, and I I want to underscore that because a lot of our seniors are computer literate, and Mm. they look at not only Dr. Google, but Attorney Google, and they could really be in a a world of hurt if they do something online and say, oh, I've got this form, this is fine. It's not that simple.
1: I can't agree more. I have... And don't take this the wrong way, but I've made so much money on people thinking that they had everything in place, and they just executed the documents incorrectly. The documents don't apply to Florida because we have every state is different. there are a they have the wrong people witness it, right? I mean, there's a th- thousand ways you can mess it up, and of course, it doesn't do any good. Even free is a bad price if it it cheats you of what you're trying to get to. And
0: and I guess that's what I I like to to point out uh, in talking with you and other people that do it right the first time. Uh, You may save a dollar or two or may not want to spend any money. But if you don't, it has the potential to be devastating, put you on a waiting list for a whole bunch of things or just totally ruin the rest of your life. It, It is that important.
1: Well, that bleeds that nicely into the concept of Medicaid planning. Yes. Let's just give an example where you've got someone who has got $210,000. That's all the money they have in the world. They've worked their entire lives to save up for it, and now they're told it's time to go into a nursing facility for full-time skilled nursing care, and they're told that they have to spend all of that money, spend it down completely um, pauper themselves before the state will come in and help at all. Well, it it is a harsh reality for people, and what many people will do is they will take that as the final answer rather than asking more questions.
0: Yes. So what is the next question they should ask if someone tells them that?
1: What are the alternatives? Yes. And one of the alternatives, of course, is that you can use your own funds to make your life better now, And if that includes something as easy as getting a better TV in your hospital room, in your nursing uh, home room, to get a better bed, one that actually works uh, for you instead of against you, something that could maybe even keep you in your home a little bit longer if you could use those funds instead of for full-time nursing care at a nursing home, have somebody come in and help you. A lot of the times, the problems with the people which are diagnosed as, oh, you need to go into a nursing home right now, aren't. Uh, I'm not saying that the doctors are wrong. I'm saying is that the circumstances in their life are misunderstood. If they have enough money to hire somebody to come in and check on them once or twice a day and make their meals for them, do simple stuff that allows them to stay in the home. Nobody wants to die in a nursing home. You know, Everybody wants to die at home, in their own bed, in their sleep, the way that God intended.
0: And that concept of aging in place is extremely, extremely important because we saw during pandemic that people avoided nursing homes, whether it uh, was a... Um, uh, an independent living facility, and I, I use the term nursing home because of the progression: independent into a skilled, into an assist. So, by the time they got into some of those facilities, and uh, they didn't want to be there because of COVID, so they stayed at home. And we found out that they can live more comfortably at home and with less contagion in the case of COVID. So, aging in place is a big thing.
1: Yeah, and it's it's ultimately the goal. Uh, with my father, uh, at the end of his life, my mother passed away, and my father lived in their ridiculously oversized 3,600-square-foot house with him and a little old dog, and it was just the two of them, uh, but you know, they'd lived there since the 50s. So uh, when that became unmanageable, we were lucky enough to be able to have Dad come and live with us, and because of the uh, veterans' benefits to which he was entitled, it was Feasible and it was workable. So, because my dad was coming to live with us, that's when I decided that maybe I really did need to go ahead and get my LLM since I was going to learn all this stuff anyway. I might as well have some more initials after my name. Um, So, dad came and lived with us, and I got to learn uh, firsthand about how the progression of need exists. You know, when he first moved in, he had his own two or two bedrooms and bath on one side of the house it was his independent living space uh which is to coin a term of course and as his need progressed it became more and more until it became uh, basically a, a nursing facility mm-hmm. with we didn't have round-the-clock care but we almost did right and so it was a learning experience for me and the issues and the challenges which I saw my father face are very very comparable to many of the clients that come in and tell me what their stories are and how I actually have a chance to say not only can I understand but here are some things that worked for us
0: great advice great advice I want to ask before we get too much further into the program because I try to keep these around 15 20 minutes long and we've just scratched the surface of things we want to talk about can you come back for another episode?
1: Well, I'd, I'd be delighted. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Going to make sure that you do that, ladies and gentlemen, because we love to hear her information. Before we, before we uh, go too much further, though, wills and trusts. Yes. Uh, there's confusion about wills and trust. Explain a little bit to us.
1: All right. Uh, so here's my favorite thing is uh, this is true on every single aspect of life. For everything, there is a cost. And for everything, there must be a benefit. The people who need wills are not necessarily the same people who need trusts and vice versa. However, even if you have a trust, chances are you will need a will. Um, A trust is a vehicle. It does avoid probate. There is no judicial oversight. Those are the differences. Sometimes people want that. Sometimes people don't want that. So if you have a will... And you, in your will, nominate someone to be the personal representative, also called in other jurisdictions a executor or an administrator or something like that. In Florida, we call it a personal representative because that way you can't tell the gender of the person as opposed to an executrix versus an executor. And you nominate this person to... Be appointed by a court. A lot of people have a misconception that if they were nominated under the will, that that automatically gives them authority. It gives them authority to make distribution of the decedent's assets under the will. That is not true at all, and you can get in a lot of trouble. A will empowers the person who's nominated as the personal representative to go in front of a judge and say, Judge, this person has passed away. They've nominated me. Is it okay? Will you appoint me? The court will then usually appoint the person as the personal representative, and then give them the court orders that give them the authority to actually do the job. That's a, that's actually a big thing. I posted that on my on my Facebook um, posting the other day because so many people have that misunderstood. Uh, So there is judicial oversight with a personal representative. They have to apply for the court. They have to file an inventory of the things that have come under their control as the personal representative. They have to pay the claims that are filed against the estate. They have to pay the taxes if there are any due. They certainly have to file a tax return. They have all of those wrapping up uh, things that our society requires. That's all avoided by a trust. Uh, Ownership of an asset which is put into a trust a trust is i like to describe it as it's like a car uh it doesn't do you any good if if you're using it to transport something from a to b if you never put anything in it so the trustee is the person who's empowered under the trust to do all the things that are necessary and are called called for under the trust so even if you have a trust you still want to have a a will that just says oh and just in case i die with a winning winning lottery ticket in my pocket uh I need to make sure that whatever's in my estate, which is what is controlled by the will, gets given over to the trust. So it's called a pour-over because it pours it out of the estate into the trust. So it's a pour-over provision. So you should have a will. If you don't have a will, though, it's not the end of the world. The intestate statutes of Florida control and the intestate statutes provide that we assume you love your spouse— And we assume you love your kids equally. And that's how, what what will happen. This whole thing about the state determines what happens to your assets when you die. It's true, but the state presumes that what you want to have happen to your assets, is some go to your surviving spouse and some go to your kids. So if you don't like your kids, you need a will.
0: And the other thing is, if I am reading what you say, trusts go into effect immediately when you do them, but wills only Go into effect when you pass.
1: Wills only go to, uh, into effect when you die, and a court says. And a court says, yeah, that's that's okay. the important aspect of that. Trusts can go into effect immediately. Mm-hmm. Trusts can also be uh, not not effective until okay. you pass. It's there's a lot more flexibility in a trust, and you can continue. To control from beyond the grave you can continue to control the assets that are put in the trust, the car, right? The stuff you put right. in the car, you can still decide where it goes and who's driving it and who takes um, different things out and gives them to different people along the route there's a lot of opportunity for control in a trust which you will not necessarily have under a will course we do always have that rule against perpetuities which is the thing that makes law students bang their heads against the wall Uh, but luckily florida has a very grand rule against perpetuities and it would really take a bad attorney to violate that
0: always good advice (laughs) portia i want to thank you for being here on the program today we are going to come back and do another episode and just let me know when look into some other things because i do have a list of topics that i would like for us to cover and uh, we're certainly going to do that so my thanks for being here on the program today
1: always a pleasure to see you sam
0: until our next episode i'm sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the great american senior show and that's the way our program ends